I want to uh, thank once again John Moore. Uh, last week he was with us. He was doing double duty. He was out at the camp, uh, the family camp in um, in uh, Waterloo. Uh, it's kind of a bummer location, wouldn't you say, John? Right there near to the Sandyham River, flowing by. And but uh, we had a blast with John there, and then he came back and led you in worship and uh, in the Word last week. And I'm grateful for you, John. I. Um, and uh, we, we are continuing a series of messages uh, called In Step with the Spirit. And these are messages, uh, that's actually the chosen title I've given this series uh, of verse-by-verse -verse messages from the book of Acts in the New Testament. So if you're new to the Bible, let me just say something, and I, 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 I like talking to you for a moment. If you're brand new to the Bible, you're like, Acts, what's that? You know, you went camping, did you have an Acts there or whatever? And I get that, you know. But you know what? I had to discover this too. There's Gospels that tell about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then when Jesus returned to heaven, he uh, sent his Holy Spirit. We're gonna, we've been learning about that this whole series and in, in doing so, um, he lit up, he electrified, he overwhelmed and empowered the people that lived in that day with this presence that they had never really understood or known. And it turns out it's the Holy Spirit of God, not only living around them or among them, but within them. And uh, the remarkable truth of that is that's still true today. So everybody that turns to Jesus Christ, he comes to live inside of them in the person of the Holy Spirit. So there's just this really amazing point of connection. And that's what I do every time I read my Bible is I, I read something and I say, how does that work for me? A husband of one and a father of three. I mean, that's just well, that's how I, is that how you do it too? Hey, I got a job to go to tomorrow, Lord. Help me do it better and give me something today that works for that. Uh, before I go to work tomorrow, I got a neighborhood I live in, and I got neighbors. I like some of them, but not all of them, and I want to love all of them to you. And you, you get my thing? So the Bible has a lot to say about that kind of connection. I want to say this as a way of sort of overall. If, if Sometimes I use the expression zooming out. So if we zoomed out from Acts, you would uh, maybe make your own list of this. Go page by page, chapter by chapter, and look for the occasions, how often in every chapter, nearly every chapter, something of the Holy Spirit, there's an explicit note made or comment made of the work or the presence or the influence of the Holy Spirit in the 28 chapters of Acts. I made that list. It's not every chapter. But it's almost every chapter and very extensively. Let me give you a couple of quick examples to kind of ramp up into the next uh, section in, in our study, which is in Acts 11. Uh, right at the beginning, Jesus said, you will receive power. This is Acts chapter 1. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So if some of you need to just close your Bible and go home because you just heard something huge. When Jesus said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, if you have 
the Holy Spirit. That is, if you've bowed your knee to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. You receive power, and you can go on and let me finish verse 8 of chapter 1. You will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, where they were when these words were spoken, to Judea, the surrounding area, to Samaria, reference to the north, and to the rest of the world. All because of the Holy Spirit working through you, using you in his great purposes in the world. And then, sure enough, those were Jesus' words in Acts 1, and then Acts 2 is probably the most uh, read chapter in all of Acts because it tells about something that was so dramatic it took the entire chapter to convey this arrival of the Holy Spirit when he poured out, as Jesus predicted, on all the people, the Jewish people in Jerusalem that were there. These, these believers experience what we've come to call Pentecost, that day when the Holy Spirit come, came. And the, and the Jews were the first recipients of that, but that's not where it stayed. Because you make your way to chapter 8, we're on the way to chapter 11 here quickly. Chapter 8 is where there's this big persecution that had happened. Stephen had died, and everybody ran for cover, including a man named Philip, one of the peers or colleagues, we would say, of Stephen. And he took off north, and he made his way to Samaria. And uh, Bible students know Samaria to be sort of this icky place. It's awkward, to, to say the least. And it's filled with people that weren't exactly... Um, uh, um, honorable people to those that lived in that day, Jews in that day. Uh, this town of Samaria then experiences through Philip the gospel, and they were open to the gospel. So much so that uh, a couple of apostles came to check it out from Jerusalem, and that's Peter and John, and they made their way up there and went, sure enough, the Holy Spirit is touching these people that are non, they were not pure Jews. And this big movement of the Holy Spirit. And then most recently, we covered this two weeks ago when we were together uh, the last time in our study. The Holy Spirit's influence was on Peter when he went with the gospel to a coastal city of Caesarea. And in Caesarea, he shared this gospel because God told him to with a, get this, a Gentile. And see the wrinkle on my face? You're saying, well, Steve, they're, they're there all the time, actually, on your face. But uh, that squinting look like, did you just say Gentile? Uh, there's more. He was a Roman military officer, and his name was Cornelius. And Peter was told to go to Cornelius, and at at in the most unbelievable way, he had this experience that I want you to see in chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was there in Caesarea with Cornelius, still speaking words about Jesus, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, including those that were completely off-limit people to a devout Jew. Cornelius was one of them, and I call it Cornelius and Company, but the, 
circumcised believers who had come with Peter were, my Bible says in verse 45, astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising uh, God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water, for they have received the Holy Spirit just as we Jews have. Now, we're a long ways removed from that. But I've asked you in past messages to think about people that you're, 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 you're beyond shock. Throw out some words. Astounded? What do we say today if you're more than shocked? Blown away. That's my, I was hoping somebody would say, that's just the perfect word for you. You're just like, ha, ha, pfft, what? That's, that's the best word, John. You, you get free coffee at cafe today, bro. It's good. It's good. Um, so this, this scene I just had you read left people blown away. Jews who thought this, this movement of the Holy Spirit was for them but no one else. It all changed that day. And I've since that day called myself my name, my new name, I'm Cornelius. Remember that? That's who all Gentile Christians could call themselves. So what we just read was big news. And it spread fast, as you could imagine. But I, my tone changes because I have to tell you that not all this was not all that welcome news by some. So chapter 11, let's begin in verse 1, and we'll see what I'm talking about here and what the text wants us to understand the Holy Spirit's teaching us. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea, that's a big stretch of land. The apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So big news here. In fact, let me use it, great news. Salvation had come to the Gentiles. If you're taking notes, that is the big, big news of chapter 10 and 11. And here we have it summarized in one verse. I am a Gentile, and anybody who is non-Jewish is also a Gentile. To combine, therefore, that Jews and Gentiles who are described here, um, you're, you're really talking about all the people on the planet. So this single statement is saying, wait a minute, we had this thing, and now all of a sudden it's open to all people other than us as well, or beyond us as well. And indeed, they were correct. So in this single sentence, we read it already in chapter 10, verse 45, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. We're hearing here a universal appeal of the good news of Jesus. That's exactly what this is saying, that Jews and Gentiles alike that all of humanity has access to the gospel. And I'm just telling you something that most of you have memorized another verse that captures what I just took five minutes to say. God so loved the world that he gave 
his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Right in the middle of that, whosoever, Jew and Gentile, didn't matter. The labels, the stripes, they don't matter. The gender doesn't matter. The background. Do you have to go to seminary to get saved? I don't think so. Do you, do you, get, you get the idea? you have to go to church to get saved? Well, somebody after church today explained to me the thief on the cross. Because he got saved in a nanosecond, and he died a, a few moments later uh, for the, as a consequence for his own sin, he says, for my own mistakes my failings. So whoever believes, which fits with what Paul would go on to say that God desires all men to be saved, all humans to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. And that's indeed true. So I, I just want to circle up for a second around Peter here before he shares um, some clarifying information. I'm quite sure he was still in shock from his experience in Caesarea um, where God tapped him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He tells all about that in chapter 10, verses 10 to 17. Remember the sheet that came down from heaven and was filled with a bunch of forbidden animals? And then he hears this voice from heaven that says, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter's going, he just haired out right in the moment. He's just like, what? I don't even, I, can't, I feel dirty just looking at that sheet. And then it happened a second time, and, and he hears this voice that says, hey, hey, don't call something dirty that I've called good. And it happens a third time, and then the sheet's taken up. And, of course, that was a, a, a real serious um, paradigm shift for Peter. And it took him to Cornelius on the heels of that. Um, he was still blown away, though, and you're going to see why as we read this this morning. Paul, if you'll go back to chapter 9, you can read these words in verse 15. Just take a, just reverse the bus for just a second to verse 15. The Lord, after reaching Saul, uh, the Lord says to Ananias, Go, this man is a chosen instrument, referring to Saul, to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Saul, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, um, one of the very first things we have as a description of him is from God who says, Here's my purpose for this Saul guy. The one you've been running from, the one you fear, I plan to actually use him. He became known as the apostle to the Gentiles. So it was a, it was a profound moment. Um, most of us have heard the expression, bad news travels fast, right? I don't know if you know the second half, but good news takes the scenic route, right? You know what I'm talking about? Well, that certainly was the case with let me just give it the label alarming news of what had happened in Caesarea. That's all in chapter 10. Um, and this news arrives in Jerusalem. Um, 
which is about 65 miles if you like to kind of draw lines in your mind of Caesarea's on the coast, go directly east, and you're kind of in Jerusalem, okay, 65 miles. So a short time later, Peter arrives. This news has already arrived before him that Gentiles receive the gospel. We just read it in verse 1 of chapter 11. But look at verse 2, and it, the tone immediately changes. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? Now, I, I, I tried to capture it in the tone that it's written. So this unbelievable news is that the Gentiles had received the word of God, and right on the heels of Peter's arrival in Jerusalem, they're like, you did what with whom? I don't know if you've had a glorious moment. Uh, let me put it close. You've, your wife had a baby, and you came out in the hallway. You're just blown away. That was me three times. You're blown away. You're, you're beyond. I'm sobbing in the hallway. And somebody looks at you and says, what's up with you? And, and I'm sobbing, joyful sob. And, and, they, and I said, I just had a baby. My wife just had a baby. And, and they say, well, what was it? And I say, well, it was, it was a little girl, a little, you know, in the first one girl, boy and girl, right? And I, I say, well, it was a little girl. And they go, oh, really? Didn't you want a boy? Wouldn't that have been cool? You could go, you know, do boy things? Now you got to learn doll talk, you know, all that stuff, right? It just doesn't. My joy is so big, it's 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 leaking out of me. It's pouring out of me in tears of joy. And somebody comes along and throws a, oh, too bad it's not a boy, right? So Peter is here with a, with a smile as big as a new, a, a new dad. The Gentiles, they got the gospel. <laughs> this is unbelievable. And they're like, what? You, you, you did what? With Gentiles? Now you're getting it. Um, I read a funny take on this scene. Quote, perhaps with the first taste of ham or shellfish still on his breath, people weren't so amused with Peter. <laughs> Remember, Peter didn't do shellfish and ham. No, that's not kosher. It's not cool. And yet, God said, get over it. It's okay. Truth is, they were more than not amused. They were ticked. And it's clear that these people were told right out of the gate that they're Jewish believers, and they could not believe that Peter went to the home of Cornelius and accepted the hospitality of a Gentile. Jews didn't do that. You know what they called that? Dirty. You got to get go take a shower, physically and spiritually, because you've been soiled by such people. You get this? Um, these Gentiles are off limits people. Uh, I just need to, for truth of uh, reporting, 
They were actually called dogs by many Jews in the day. All right. So to have contact with dogs was deeply defiling to devout Jews. Stayed away from them. So um, I want to be fair for a second with um, um, their, their reaction. I, I, I tend to be critical, and I think correctly. But they reacted the same way Peter had reacted a couple of days earlier, right? Not long ago. When um, he sees that vision we talked about, and he's told by the Holy Spirit, go to go north 30 miles from Joppa where he was. Go up to Caesarea and tell Cornelius and his family and friends about, about me. And I'm quite certain that at the heart of what Peter said was, you want me to go where and talk to who? See how it's, it's, it's both... It happened to Peter then. That was his reaction, and it's happening to these others that are just learning of it. Uh, these, these believers in Jerusalem hadn't experienced what Peter had experienced. Let's not forget that. They had not seen a vision to visit off-limits Gentiles. As far as they were concerned, the old rules applied. They hadn't had what Peter had. Um, even so, all of that's about to change because we get to read this really cool section now. So chapter 11, pick up with me, verse 4, because Peter's now going to recount what happened from Joppa to Caesarea and how it all unfolded. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. By the way, all of this is written in chapter 10, and you're going to go, oh, I've heard that before. You have if you've been a part of this series. Uh, Peter tells this whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being led down from heaven by its four corners. It came, to, it came down to where I was. Verse 6 of chapter 11. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds, off-limits stuff. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up. Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. He knew where that voice came from. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Don't call anything impure that God's made clean. This happened yet a third time, and then it was all pulled up again to heaven, this, this, this vision, this scene. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying in Joppa. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. This is Cornelius. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in, in his house and, and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all of your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit, this is Peter now, the Holy Spirit came upon them as they had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord had said even earlier than that, that John 
baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believe in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? <laughs> Amen? Hey, you want to write a, this is what this, this whole section's teaching. When the Spirit makes a move, stay out of the way. Right? Is that not what verse 17 is saying? When the Spirit makes a move, get out of His way. Don't gum it up. I'm saying that in, in kind of, I'm perturbed with myself. I've done that. There have been times when I think, man, that's, I feel that strongly, but I'm not, I'm not sure what to do about it. Are you kidding me, Steve, really? That sounds like you're confused, and you're not confused. You're just stubborn. You know what to do. You know who to, you know to tell that person you don't like about Jesus Christ. You know, you know to better than ignoring lost people because their sin is gross to you. I'm not the only guy that needs a little correction here, I'm sure. Amen? That's good. There's no condemnation. It's correction. It says, let's get this right. Let's do this right. So when the Spirit makes a way... Stay out of his way. And if you and I, uh, I already told you, I hope some of you do these things. Later today, you're going to go back to chapter 10 and compare it with chapter 11 and go, wow. You know your conclusion is? Peter got it right. He's, he said it, he captured it all again in those words we just now read. And then he added this personal, um, we, we slowed down in verse 15, um, because it's kind of a personal impression that he connected when the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. And you know what he did in that moment? We didn't know this until now, and he admits it. He says, you know something? Watching that happen took me back to Pentecost when I was in Jerusalem. And everything was cool, and everybody was minding their own business, and there was a great decorum. And then suddenly there's this rumble from heaven like fighter jets overhead, and, and everybody was impacted. People were floored. People were, like, like, nearly knocked out. And Peter's saying in verse 15, is he not? You know what? I remember this, was, this is what happened to us. At the beginning, he's talking to we Jews back in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. Is that cool? So he's going, I was with Cornelius, a Gentile, and I see something that looked really familiar. Because it was. The same Holy Spirit that came upon us Jews in, in chapter 2 just came upon the Gentiles. In Caesarea. Oh, and he goes one step further. He goes all the way back to chapter 1 when Jesus said in his own words, I'm leaving. The Holy Spirit's coming. And indeed, he had come. So embedded in this important development are several, like, statements. Let's call them statements made by the Holy Spirit. Just so you know, 
It doesn't always say, thus the Holy Spirit said. Look at verse 7. You'll see an example in words we just read. Then I heard a voice telling me. Do you see that? What is that voice? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the voice. Okay? Go on a little bit further. Verse 9. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And then one more time. This is most helpful to me because this has to do with those moments when I'm stopped at a proverbial traffic light. Or I face a fork in the road and I know I should go right, but I decide I'm going to go left. Right? Look at verse 12. The Spirit told me. Do you know somebody that talks that way? Raise your hand if you do. Do you know so? I do. I do. And it's the most amazing person I know in my life. It's my wife. The Spirit told me. I remember when she first said things like that years ago. I remember looking at her going, I'm, you know, this is a guy listening. We're like, you know, she goes, it's the, the Lord just, the Lord told me. And I'm like, huh? And I know my kids have said, Dad, you need your hearing checked. But I don't know. I don't know what the deal was because I didn't hear anything. The Spirit told me, verse 12, to have no hesitation to go with Cornelius' escort north and share the good news. Aren't you glad? Peter, listen. I want to be Peter. Y'all, I don't know all of you in this kind of very personal way. Some of you kind of cautiously raised your hand. You're not going to get shot for saying you actually hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. All right? So, amen. And you know what? I want to hear what he says to you. Okay? So let's, let's go there. Let's, let's have conversation today at Cafe and Beyond where we, we're talking to each other about the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Um, and and over, it's, it's, it's exciting stuff. Um, and then let me get back to the text because this is important. Verse 17, because I think this is a watershed moment for Peter. So look at it again. Let me read it again. So if God gave them... The Gentiles, the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? What was Peter saying here? Let me ask it another way. A question. Is it possible? We're humans. We started our service saying, what is man that you think so highly of him? But are we that capable of getting in God's way? How many would say, yep? Okay, I absolutely say, yep. I've done it. You're saying, some of you are looking at me like, well, how how do you do that? There are many ways. I got a lot more water. That means I can talk a lot longer, okay? So, all right. You guys had to know something was up when I decided to stay up here and dance with the worship team this morning. 
I'm trying to get a look at the elder board right now. I'm just making sure everything's good. Okay, here's the deal. Here, we do it in many ways. These are, we, we stand in God's ways when we, number one, he wants us to live abundant lives, but we block that by sinning. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give life and abundance. When we sin and don't deal with our sin, I'm not saying when you sin, you're out, kick you to this curb. No. I'm saying when you sin and don't repent of your sin, you become David in Psalm 32. All day long I kept silent about my sin and my body withered away as with the fever heat of summer. My vitality was drained from me. Is that abundance? No. So listen, would you take it? Next time you blow it, if you mess up, would you do this, promise yourself, maybe today before the sun sets, promise God that you will, when you mess up, fess up before sunset. You'll say, God, I... I was wrong. I stunk up the place. My words were, were bad. Maybe it's toward a spouse. Hey, which what married couple haven't hurt each other? But the good ones go, you know what? That can't last. Holy Spirit, cleanse me. And David, Psalm 32 turns out good. Then I confess my sin and my iniquity I no longer hid. And thou didst forgive the guilt of my sin, and I began to live abundantly again. So that's one of the ways we, I think, get in God's way. Here's the second one. These are all personal. So He wants us to be free, but we are imprisoned because of unforgiveness. Would you show me your hand? If you've ever been wrongly hurt by somebody, okay, every every hand's up, and I get that. I'm not going to ask you to hold your hand up on the second question, but how many of you have let that go and forgiven them? Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32. I've been hurt, and I haven't always been quick to forgive. And when I do not forgive, I am blocking God. I'm not living abundantly. I am really in bondage. Someone said that when you do finally forgive, you realize that somebody was set free from prison. And then you realize that person was you. I think that's true. Third, he wants to mature us fully. If you ask God, what are you up to in my life? It's to make you more like my son and less like yourself. Fair enough. That, that requires some maturity, a focus. He says, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk. I'm going to work out. I'm going to spiritually be focused. And yet, how many of us live like the 
words in Hebrews chapter 5 at the end. It says, you know, by now you should be mature enough. You should be able to lead a Bible study. You should be able to share the gospel with a stranger. But you've been, you've been dilly-dallying. You haven't been walking with me and letting me mature you. We block God's plan to use us in that way. Here's a fourth. He wants to teach others um, or reach others through us. He wants to reach others through us with the gospel. But it doesn't happen when our light doesn't shine and our lips don't move. We say, I go to work, Lord Jesus, you know, reach my office, and, and you're, 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 you're kind of grumpy. There's something in the way. And you say, well, okay, I've got over my grumpiness. Well, have you talked to that coworker? That's a problem because they're not going to, I wish you could just touch somebody and, you know, like, uh, you know, when you transfer pictures on your iPhone, you just, boom, they go over to another iPhone. And, um, and, and that would be cool, but that's not how it's done. It has to happen through our lives and our lips when we tell somebody. Okay. Peter's takeaway was clear. You're hopefully hearing that, you know, God, like Peter learned, God's saying, get out of the way because the gospel is the gospel for all. Um, so I want to leave you with some words that Paul described um, of something that, and I, I'm just going to be very uh, revealing here. I've uh, been a pastor for 40 years, and I've been around a few people, relatively few people, who are comfortable with a message like this, especially when you get into the realm of, do you hear the Holy Spirit? Does God speak to you? I know that because I'm one of them, okay? And I, I've said that already in this talk. Um, but there's some truth in the Bible that is, that is not a matter of how you feel. It's, it's words that actually define um, that the Holy Spirit is, um, is present in every person who calls him or herself a Christian, present in their lives. That may surprise you, and it may be baby step theology for some of you, but I'll go so far as to say if the Holy Spirit isn't in you, you are not in Christ. And that's not my words. You're about to hear where I got that. The Holy Spirit, let me say it positively, is the same mark for both Jews and Gentiles. Indeed, for all. Okay? Now you're ready to hear this authenticating statement because we've read all about it, that Peter was reporting it, and, and then Paul would come along later in Romans 8 and say this, you are not in the realm of the, the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Hope you're thinking, you're stirring maybe. 
But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, read Genesis 3 and you'll find out where all that came from. The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And then I love this. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, go back to everything you've ever learned about the crucifixion and then the burial of Jesus and then three days later the resurrection of Jesus, and you have to say to yourself, who pulled that off? How did that happen? And the answer is, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul is saying, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. That's the truth here. I'm not done. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. Amen, right? So, so to be clear, to be clear here at the end, a Christian is anyone, Jew or Gentile, who has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. If you have repented of your sin and trusted Jesus to save you, you know the reasons why you need to repent of your sin because that won't save you. Your sin will not do you any favors. It's destroying you. That's what it's doing. That's why repenting says, I'm not only sorry of this, I'm turning my back on that and going a new way. Um, and if that has happened for you, you've gone past, oh, I'm such a mess. And you said, no, it was more than a mess. It was sin. And I've confessed it to Jesus. And he forgave me. The Bible says of you, you have been born again. Read John chapter 3. You'll see the word, where the words came from. Um, the Holy Spirit is the authenticating presence that you belong to Jesus and get this, this is so beautiful. And that you are secure and sealed for the day that's yet to come for everybody in this room. That his very own are face to face with him. It's stated this way in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. What seal, hopefully you're asking? The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Isn't that beautiful? So I, I'm asked this, and it's a great question if you've wondered it. So if, if I repented of my sin and the Holy Spirit now lives within, can I kick him out? Can I blow it so bad he leaves me? No. 
Sealed is sealed. Take, a, take an envelope tonight and lick it, if you still have the lickables. And close it and put a pile of books on it. Make sure it's good and sealed. Then come back the next day and see if you can pull that off. Doesn't work. You're sealed. I like this description, these descriptive words of verse 17, because it's everything. It's if God gave these them the same gift he gave us, who am I to stand in his way? Peter said, in effect, gentlemen, it doesn't matter what you think. He's talking to the leaders, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. Remember, it doesn't matter what you think. God has spoken, and that puts an end to this debate. And he probably would have gone, it's over. Let's get over ourselves. And it really did. It really did end the debate. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, you look on with me. Because these same people that were, remember I said they were ticked at the beginning, verses 2 and 3. Look how verse 18 ends this study. When they heard this, they went from critical, verse 2, to demanding you went where and spoke to who? To verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, let me see if I get this, even the, to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And the answer is emphatically, yes. Yes. The New Living Translation says it really wonderfully, and I'm going to land it with these words. Um, verse 18, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles, like he gave us, the privilege of repenting of our sins and receiving eternal life. The privilege of repenting of your sins. So my question, have you embraced that privilege of repenting of your sins and receiving eternal life. Man, I really hope so. Because if you have, join your voice with verse 18 in praising God. You can't. You really, you should. Because you were dead, Ephesians 2 says, spiritually dead in your sins. And he, however... Because of his great love and mercy, made you alive with him in Christ. If you haven't, please hear me. If you haven't exercised your privilege of repenting and receiving, if you haven't done that, you don't have the Holy Spirit living within you. Don't try to make it up. And he urges you to repent now. Right now, right now, and receive eternal life. I visited my dad yesterday in the afternoon, and we had a great visit, and I ate some of his cookies. And um, they say confession's good for your soul, so thanks, Dad. But um, and then I walked down the hall and left, and I uh, was coming home. Before I got to my truck, um, down the hallway, uh, there was a couple sitting there, 
And they're like most people where dad lives. They're seasoned saints. They're elderly people. And this man stops, and he, and he sees me. I was just bopping along, having a good time, and just came from seeing my dad and all happy and everything. And he looks at me, and he says, so um, I, I said, how are you doing? I, I see them at the dining room a lot. And uh, I said, hey, how are you two doing? They were making a puzzle that would take him probably a while. And, um, and so I stopped, and I visited. How are you folks doing? They said, hey, he says, I've, I've got a question for you. Um, would you, uh, you're, you're Larry's son, right? And I said, yeah, I'm, um, and the lady looked up at me and I said, Larry, we look alike. We're kind of, you know, I'm a mini me or he's a whatever, you know, um, we look alike. He would say though, he's better looking than me. But anyway, um, I, we laughed a little bit and then he started into his question. He says, I have a question for you. Um, would you be willing to sprinkle me? And and <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm a pastor, right? He says, everybody knows that here. <laughs> so, okay, all right. So suddenly I straightened up a little bit. I said, um, well, what's your thinking there? He says, well, my mother, who's long gone now, she told me I was baptized when I was 12. And he says, is it a problem if I can't remember that? And I said, well... I don't know, I guess I would answer that with, um, if it's a problem for you, then maybe it's something we should do. We usually immerse people in the water, but I've had baptisms where we, people that needed help, we got them down and, you know, kept them down a while, you know, just to make sure they remember. <laughs> you're you're like him, he about laughed out of his chair and then... And then <laughs> So he talked a minute more, and then he and then I then he knew this. This told me he knew more than he was revealing. He says, "Because I've read the Gospels, and I don't see anywhere that it's required for me to get to heaven to be baptized." And I smiled. And I said, "Sir, you are so correct. And um, you don't even have to get good. Ask the thief on the cross." And we had church yesterday. It was a beautiful time. I'd like you to bow your heads with me. And um, it's, it's about the song we're going to sing right now. It's called At the Cross. And um, it's a really great song, but it, it really contains great truth about being born again. And it does not take baptism to be born again. Baptism is a result of, not it does not result in salvation. Do you hear me? So baptism's out. And if you're, you've got more bad on the ledger than good, you're exactly why Jesus came. No one has to convince you you got a need. That you should exercise the privilege of repenting. If you feel the need to repent today, don't assume that that's just this moment. Assume it's the Holy Spirit saying, I want in. I want to cover your soul with the sinless blood of my, of, of, the, of the Son of God, the, the Savior, Jesus. I want to apply his righteousness to you, but you got to repent. 
got to say, I'm, I'm not fit for heaven because I don't have the Holy Spirit living in me. If that's you right now, I would like you to bow your heads, everybody. Eyes closed for a minute. And you at home, you can keep watching because I'm going to have you do something. And imagine that I can see you as well. But I want you to look up at me. If you're saying, Pastor, well, this, this brings it home for me today. The Holy Spirit is talking to me. I'm not sure I am saved. I'm not sure I can even remember being told by my mom I was baptized. But I want more than baptism. I want to know Jesus. I want him to live inside me. I want to repent of my sin and invite you in, Lord Jesus. If you've never done that, would you just look up at me right now? I, I, I'll just, I'm not going to call you out. There's no embarrassment here. This is just a confirmation moment. If you're at home and you're doing the same thing right now, some in the house are doing, I just want to ask you to follow this prayer. And, and it's a prayer that's connected to the truth of the song. It's at the cross where Jesus gave his life for you. When you repent and say, come in to me, in this very moment, he will enter you through the Holy Spirit. So, God, we come to you right now grateful for this powerful truth. We, uh, most of us understand it, and majority of us have repented. We have, we have exercised that privilege of repenting. But for others right now that are looking up and really looking at you, they're repenting now and asking you to come and live in them. Would you do that, please? And would you send your spirit to seal them and secure them for that face-to-face meeting that's yet in our future? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Father, for making all this possible. We worship you now in response. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Let's stand together and let's sing. I'm in all of you. I'm in all. 